on with a Rye. Support for today's episode comes from luxury footwear brand Tamara Mellon. Tamara Mellon co-founded Jimmy Choo in 1996 and launched her own brand in 2016. I'm all about making change and owning your power, and so is Tamara Mellon. Her shoes are designed for women by women, and they're for leaning in, climbing ladders, shattering ceilings, walking out, making an entrance, and rewriting rules. And of course, ladies, they are absolutely for slaying. I got my first three pair of Tamara Melons, and I've been rocking all of them. I have some velvet boots, some stone-colored boots, and these open-toed shoes that almost look like you're walking on air. I am loving my new shoes. Thank you to Tamara Melon for being a podcast sponsor. Visit TamaraMelon.com forward slash on one for a special offer. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N dot com forward slash on one. This week's episode is also brought to you by Heifer International. Looking for the perfect holiday gifts for everyone on your list? Just one goat from Heifer International can provide a family with nutritious milk. The gift of an animal from Heifer increases access to education, empowerment, and dignity. And the more gifts you buy, the more families you can help. It's an easy way to give gifts that really matter to all your family and friends. Learn more at heifer.org forward slash on one. That's heifer.org forward slash on one. H-E-I-F-E-R dot org forward slash on one. We're all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors. All we know is to fight. Pray they see God in everything I write here. Hey, everybody. This is Angela Rye, and this is On One with Angela Rye. I'm so, so elated that you all have been so supportive from the very first podcast with Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Queen Maxine, to every podcast since. I've gotten so much wonderful feedback and I want you all to know that my holiday season wouldn't have been as special without all of your support, whether it's from a CNN interview, a Breakfast Club interview, um, an attention video, um, or just listening to this podcast. I so appreciate not only your feedback that you give me with each and every appearance and episode, but also your encouraging words. I want you all to know that 2017 has been a challenging year. We've seen really a nightmare. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but we've seen a nightmare in the White House and we've seen it do everything from divide immigrant families. We know that ICE Immigrations Customs and Enforcement is talking about separating children from their mothers and fathers um, to really crack down on immigration enforcement. We've seen a tax reform bill that I'm calling the tax shade bill because all it does is keep poor and middle class families in the cold. Um, any bill where you have to provide someone a benefit that expires, but you ensure that those benefits last a lifetime and they are never ending to corporations and the top 1% among us, you have a problem. Anyone who would work diligently to sabotage a healthcare plan like Obamacare, not to provide any other solutions, but to not cover folks who have pre-existing conditions and even considering that to figure out ways to cut Medicare and Medicaid or even considering that we really do have a disaster on our hands. To all of you American people, to those of you around the world, it's on all of us to not only live our best lives, but to ensure our brothers and sisters globally can do the same thing. And I want you all to know from every encouraging word, um, from every thought, for every pushback, um, for every way in which you've challenged me, I just want to continue doing my best to make life easier for other people. I thank you all um, for all of your encouragement. I thank you all um, for all of the the kicks in the butt. 
Um, I thank you all for being hard on me, even about the podcast. It hasn't been easy. Um, I haven't always been consistent, but I continue to aspire to give you all great content. Um, This week, I am blessed to have my good friend, Bakari Sellers, who's also a CNN commentator with me. We challenge the Democratic Party on this episode. We talk about our upbringings and how much we owe to our parents. Um, We just really um, talk. We talk about what it's like to be on air with Trump supporters. Um, We talk about challenging each other. And I just hope that it will be inspiring to you all. It was a fun conversation for us to have. We hope that it's just as fun for you to listen to. Um, thank you for giving us a chance. Check out Bakari's podcast. It's called Viewpoint with Bakari S- Sellers. Um, I hope that this is a blessing to you. This is the last podcast of 2017. Let's keep the conversation going. Let me know who you want to hear from next year. Um, let me know what you liked about this podcast year for me and what you didn't like. Um, there are uh, 17 or 18 episodes now for you to digest. And again, I thank you so much for taking your time to listen to this podcast Every week, sometimes not every week, (laughs) but I thank you all nonetheless. Um, I look forward to hearing your feedback. You can hit me up on Instagram at Angela Rye or on Twitter at Angela underscore Rye or on Facebook. I can't remember what my Facebook handle is, but it's Angela Rye. It's a fan page. My pitch is on it. You should check it out. I do not know the handle, though. (laughs) I got to get better, y'all. But anyway, I look forward to hearing from you. Um, Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year. And most importantly, you know what to do. Resist, y'all. And I guess we can start off by simply saying welcome to another episode of Viewpoint with Bukhari Sellers. And this is the Conversate segment with On One for Angela or I. <laughs> I'm so happy to have <laughs> What do they call you now on Instagram and Twitter? Woke Bay? I'm so happy to have you. I don't you. know. It's all kind of nicknames <laughs> that I didn't ask for. Some of them we can't say um, because, you know, we Christian people. So we don't want to we don't want to offend the pastor. Please do not. No, I'm happy to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm glad we were able to have this conversation so people can see how we chat sometimes when we're not on TV. Yes. Or even how we chat. We chatted a little bit like this during the election. But then some of those things faded away. People regularly after we have a segment are like, why don't you all have your own segment? Hint, hint. Well, CNN. if y'all listening, if you all are listening to these two podcasts, CNN, please give us that chance. It'll be fire because that uh, CNN After Dark was special. <laughs> it was CNN Grill. Yeah. <laughs> about CNN After oh, Dark. CNN Grill, my bad. But you know what also CNN made it, though? Our boy, our boy made that thing pop, though. Don Lemon is the truth. I, I, I Absolutely. We have to ease him back into the cookout, but Don Lemon is firmly back no, in the cookout. No, he's back at the cookout. They told him he could bring a dish. They told him he could host the cookout. And then he wore a turtleneck on TV yesterday. He wore a turtleneck like with, his, with his afro it was yesterday. Amazing. Looking like he was, was handing amazing. out free lunches in Oakland, looking like a Black Panther. <laughs> Listen, I'm here for it because you saw his pick. He did. He used his little pick on my podcast with the little, uh, the little fist. He's serious. He's picking out his fro, showing y'all the length that he's got. He's, He's being inspired by Huey out here in these streets. Well, there thank we go. You. Well, look, the first thing I want to ask you since I got you is I think that some people just think that we appear on TV and they don't understand the background or the work that you've done or the work that you've put on put in. And I've known you since you were the executive director of the Congressional Black Caucus. Talk a little bit about, you know, the work that you've done before people see you um, on CNN and before people hear about your uh, your podcast. I um. I appreciate that. I think um, one of the things that I would say 
Um, and I hope that this answers some of this. One of the questions I get the most, whether it's a DM or it's somebody that approaches me right after a speaking engagement, Bakari, I'm sure you get this too. They're like, oh, I want to be you. How do I get to be a commentator on TV? And they're, you know, a sophomore in college with no work experience, um, which is not bad. Like, you got to start somewhere. But I think the important thing is um, I believe that neither of us had an aspiration to be on air. Um, And we were doing the work, you know, for some time, trying to make a difference. I think we continue every day to try to make a difference. And I fell into TV. I'd love to hear, you know, what your trajectory was and how you decided to do it, et cetera. But I really never had any desire to do it. And when I was working at the Congressional Black Caucus, um, after finishing four years of working on the Committee on Homeland Security, um, my boss at the time, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, who was also the chair of the caucus, was like, Angela, you know, we really need young voices, young faces representing the interests of the CBC on TV, in print, on radio. And Stephanie Young, who's um, now the corporate communications um, head at BET, who was our um, communication director at the time, agreed with it and ensured that people saw profiles of our entire team, which was the youngest CBC team ever, um, and then the, and also put me on air and um, kind of fell into doing a special with Reverend Al that he used to have called Measuring the Movement that was a part of National Action Network's annual conference. And then from there, Roland Martin's executive producer asked me to come on air with Roland's show, which was Washington Watch at the time. Shout out Roland Martin. We're going to miss Roland's yes. show for sure. This is today. Today's the last day we're pre-taping for those of y'all that don't know this is how we do this. Um, But I do want to shout out Roland because there are so many of us who, if it wasn't for Roland taking a constant chance on us, calling us to say when, you know, this point could have been sharper. Next time you're debating this, say this um, or think about it this way. Or, you know, for me, I'm a hothead. So, Angela, don't get so mad that you lose your point. Right. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, he's been a phenomenal coach, a great big brother, and I just pray that he continues to have doors that open up for him the same way that he's opened up doors for so, so many of us, seriously, on a bipartisan basis. Um, you know, Simone Sanders, uh, Paris Denard, Michael, um, everybody was on Roland's show. So shout out, big shout out to Roland and, and seriously, thank you. Well, you know, Roland calls me sometimes, whether or not it's Twitter or whether or not it's Uh, on TV, just giving me words of wisdom. And I also attribute a lot of the success I've been able to have to two people. One is Roland Martin and the other is Donna Brazile because I know she's going through so much. Yeah. But without Donna, I wouldn't be um, at CNN. You know, I text with Donna every other, every other day. And, uh, you know, just, Oh, a lot of these people who, you know, broke down these doors, I guess, you know, it's the quote that you're the greatest, uh, job you have is to be free and you always have to lift others up to make sure that they're free as well. So shout out to both of those, uh, Roland and Donna for giving us, uh, this opportunity, um, at CNN and many others. So who- well, Bakari, I want you to talk about your trajectory in the television too, because I do think it's important for the youngins to know we ain't just pop up. Like we did have some studying to do to show yeah, ourselves. We did. we did. We <laughs> did. No, I, you know, when I got elected, I was 20, um, 21 years old and I served for eight years in the South Carolina house of representatives. And throughout that time, um, through both great tragedy and great success, I've been able to hone some skills on TV, um, with all of that. Being said, 
um, my, my trajectory was somewhat accidental. Um, I got discovered, uh, Rebecca Cutler, our boss at CNN, she called me kind of off the street after the Charleston massacre. And so one of the things that I, that weighs dearly on my shoulders every time that I'm on TV is that I'm speaking for those nine people who lost their lives and particularly my good friend Clemente Pinckney. But, you know, before then advocating for, um, poor people, advocating for people of color, um, you know, where I'm from, my hospital shut down. So what does that mean? That means my largest employer shut down. That means that if you have a heart attack, it's pretty much a death sentence because you have to travel 30, 40 minutes to the nearest hospital just for emergency care. So, you know, yeah. we, it, the schools that we grew up in are called uh, the corridor of shame because the heating and air don't work and infrastructure is falling apart. And so those were the fights that, you know, we've been fighting for so long. And those are the fights that we continue to fight. And now we get to give it voice to the voiceless or the unheard on CNN every day. And so just trying to make, make our people proud, make my parents proud, which gives me the next segue. You talk about your dad all the time. Eddie Rye, Eddie Rye, Eddie Rye. everybody's hero Rye. on the West coast. And my dad, yes. my dad, Cleveland Sellers, tell me about Eddie and how, how proud is he of his uh, daughter, Angela, just bringing the funk to use Roland Martin's words um, every single time she's on TV. Um, well, the, here's the funny part. So I say I fell into TV, but my mom calls me Eddie Rye Third. Um, <laughs> my dad's Eddie Rye Jr. And the reason why I'm bringing that up right now is because my dad has a radio show um, that comes on every single week. No, you lying. Um, wait, wait, can, can I stream it online? Yeah, it's called Urban Forum Northwest. <laughs> and in addition to that, when my dad was a little bit younger, he had a TV show. Um... And I think, Dad, no shade, I think it came on public access, but he was still bringing, bringing the issues that we care about the most. What so was it's it, funny it was called Blackity Black. What was it called? And don't come back. I don't know. We got, I got to ask him that. He'll be mad. Probably, I don't know, something urban-ish. Um, but the one thing that I would that I would say is, like, my mom would probably be like, yeah, you didn't fall into any of this. Like, you are your father's daughter. And even when I remember when I started with the Congressional Black Caucus, my dad was amped. Like, I was like, dang, I think he wants this job maybe a little bit more than I do. Like, he was so excited. That is his thing. And even to this day, like, the CBC members, like, you know, as soon as they met my dad or you really got to know him better. Now, all of them asked me, you know, where, how your dad? I'm like, what's that? How am I doing? Like, I'm the one that works for y'all. But they love Eddie Rye. And so, um, yeah, fruit definitely doesn't fall far from the tree. I say all the time, like, my dad um, is, an, is truly an activist. Like, he still will be marching in the streets, protesting, holding up signs. His favorite type of sign is white plastic with red block letters. It's a thousand protest signs in the garage that all had that same lettering. He has a bullhorn in the trunk. I don't know if the bullhorn has batteries right now or not, <laughs> but he definitely has it. He's serious about a protest. If there's not one happening, he'll figure out what it should be. And um, he's, he'd be our message, man. If it wasn't apartheid, it was a Martin Luther King holiday. If it wasn't Martin Luther King holiday, it was about ensuring black contractors got jobs and were paid fairly on the jobs. Um, if it wasn't about a black contract on the jobs, it was about protecting affirmative action in Washington State. No shade there, we failed, but that was because of racism. Um, <laughs> and every day, you ask Eddie Rye how he's doing, he doesn't say blessed and highly favored. He doesn't say good. He says, I'm just out here fighting this racism, man. And in 2017, I am saying the same thing, because this dude out here in the White House, yeah, 
Yeah, he wide open. My dad always says that it's our fight now. My dad, when we took the Confederate flag down and everything else, he was at the beach chilling. He said, look, y'all, this is your this is your your fight now. But you you write about the not falling far from the tree because my mom was actually a newscaster. She blames me for not. not, Yeah, she blames me for not being in the news anymore. She said after she had me, she couldn't go back to work. But anyway. Um, <laughs> this is a little bit. Was that because you was bad as hell? Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I never tried to dig into that. I'm still I'm like, no st- comment. No comment. I'm still working through that. But nah, my mom was a gorgeous newscaster in North Carolina, in Greensboro, North Carolina, before she had me. So, uh, and you know, my dad is. What you trying to say about your mama? He wasn't saying you're not gorgeous now. No, I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying that my mom was a bad, it. a bad newscaster back in the day. She was at the desk on the nightly news. So right now. yeah, so now I, I I get a little bit of both, and so now I'm just happy to be where we are. Well, you want to you want to you put up this uh, Twitter and Instagram. Your your Instagram is lit. Popping always. I need to I need y'all to get me to five hundred thousand though because see, you know that's at, now the you're just being now, see look five hundred thousand. I'm trying to get the ten thousand because you don't post on there and you need to um, tell the people that you're not verified. Like, I don't know why you're saying verified. That's crazy. <laughs> I was looking, I was like, Ooh, Bakari got a fake person page. <laughs> like somebody got a mock page for Bakari. I was like, Ooh, this Bakari's page. That's my page. I had some people set it up back during the campaign, but I need, I need to uh, get it right. Wait, nah, uh, me... You need to have the Facebook people verify you number one. Cause Facebook does on Instagram. And then you need to post. It just, this makes no sense. Okay, I'll handle it. Okay. Whatever. I'll handle it. What, 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 do they, what do the people want? Oh, man, my phone ringing. People have so many questions. I need the phone not to be ringing in the middle of the podcast. No, no, no. That, um, was, that was Wells Fargo. I got a truck payment due. Um, I need you to pay your bill. I'm, you want to do that on automatic debit or no? I'm going to get to it. Hold on. I got, I got yeah, to focus. Okay. I got to juggle. I got student loans to pay. I'm about to say, but, <laughs> but don't be juggle that, like, because they'll come for you. Will's no, will no. come get your yeah, well, like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, I'm gonna be riding the little the little uh, metro bus they got out there in the city of Columbia. Shout out to Steve Benjamin, mayor of the city of Columbia. Oh, I love Steve. Yeah, Steve. Hi, Steve. Steve doing good people. He's good people. Let's see. Uh, let's talk about we what we just passed first. You've been talking about that on TV. Let's talk Ugh. about this 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 trash tax scam bill that they just passed. And don't okay, we say tax let's talk about why sometimes our messaging is broke why are we calling it a tax scam bill i don't know like this okay. ain't no this ain't no um email that you got from the prince of nigeria asking <laughs> for a million dollars in your route number like why are we calling the thing that that's not smart messaging i thought brian fallon had a smart tweet yesterday though brian fallon talked about say? he said that we need to uh focus on repealing and re- i don't know if we should repeal and replace it but we need to come up with a plan now and begin to articulate something positive in response to this tax bill. Absolutely. Now, that I can agree with, but I think that calling it a tax scam sounds like a bootleg email situation. And that <laughs> maybe it must have resonated with somebody because they said that 18% of the of American people were polled said that this bill represented their interest. So maybe it was effective, but I hated it. I, from the very beginning, I was like, we got to do better on our messaging. Well, I mean, but that's, yeah, a, that's a whole separate thing. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I thought it was interesting yesterday. I think that was yesterday. I was on air in the morning. Was it yesterday or the day before? Either way, I was on air and I talked about how this bill impacts single people. Like basically, if you don't have, um, if you don't have any children, and if you're a single person, this bill um, adversely impacts you even more. 
And that really resonated with people. And then I started thinking, damn, like, we don't have a fact sheet out that speaks to this. Because all I had basically was what I said was like, I know that, you know, you, the, um, there's there's no child like the tax the child um, tax credit they increase that which is great for families but if you don't have children and your your tax bracket changed at all based on your income by the way they were supposed to be reducing the number of tax brackets Correct. there are still seven Correct. do you know what the seven are I was trying to memorize these it's yesterday. like uh, twenty twenty two twenty five twenty seven and nah man I'm off we got to pass this test. Yeah, you're a little off. It starts at, it's 12, hold on, I'm going to tell you, because I had to write it down. 12, hold on, it's 10, 12, 20, 24, 32, 35, and 37. 37 is down from 39.6, which was for the, obviously, the top 1% of income earners. The thing that's frustrating to me, again, is they were like, well, we're going to reduce the number of deductions so that you can file your taxes on a postcard. Which is a lie, by the way, that's a lie. It is a lie from the hot pit, fiery pits of hell. And you still cannot do that. So they reduced the number of deductions for people like us, Bakari, who have to loan debts, who, you know what I mean? Like people think because we're on TV, we rich. We ain't rich. Nah, we I, just look all right. We just know. dress, we just <laughs> clean up, clean up well. That's what we do as the we old clean folks. Clean up so. good, you know. <laughs> but we, we're not rich, but, and, but we do recognize that there are people who we speak for who are in even, even in a worse off situation. So... This bill doesn't at all meet our needs. It does not provide relief for families who need it. Um, it does not provide relief for single people who need it. So we just need to be. One of the questions that I asked, though, one of the questions that I asked, I, I just just from the 50,000 foot view, I said, why are they making tax cuts for corporations permanent? But my tax cut temporary. Tell them. So Tell I, em. I, I mean, and this, this, the tax cuts ex- expire. Is it 2027? I believe. Yeah. So, I believe it's 2027, and, and, and that's the, the maddening part. They're like, oh, look at all the stuff we've done for you, but it's going to end. Look at all the stuff we did for your boss, but it's going to stay. That ain't it. Like, <laughs> who does that? Support for today's episode of On One comes from Closer Than They Appear. The holidays usually bring good food, good cheer, good loud arguments with people you spend the rest of your year trying not to talk to. In one breath, you might be passing the pie, and in the next year, trying your best not to throw the doggone pie. Well, Jetty Studios have just the podcast for you. In Closer Than They Appear, writer Carvel Wallace talks to a lot of people grappling with the State of the Union while also looking for a way to reconcile with his own family. In conversations with guests ranging from actor Mahershala Ali to the aunt he hasn't seen in nearly 20 years, he'll turn and face America's past and his own and try to help us all find a way forward. Subscribe to Closer Than They Appear on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and even find them on Facebook. For more info, go to closer than they appear.fm. And all of these companies, these companies that are coming out, I can't remember the, uh, the the particular company that's in my head, but they just tweeted out that they're going to give everybody, I think might it was at AT&T, they're giving everybody a thousand they're giving everybody a $1000 raise and then they're going to do 400 bonus. Mi- By the way, bonus is different from a raise. Bonus is different from a raise and and a 400 give 400 million dollars to their charitable giving, etc. I was like, man, they just tithing. The windfall that they're about to get over time. But here's time, the thing. Like, we also should recognize, um, no shade AT&T, but a little shade, that we also should recognize that, like, the same companies that were coming out right after Donald Trump was saying the jobs need to stay here, that just changed their messaging, even though their policy was going to stay the same, like, they were always going to do that. 
they probably were always going to do that. Why, why, why is that? You just hit on something else. Why, why is that messaging so bad as the Democratic Party? So I think that we really think, um, sorry, American people, I'm about to say something that may hurt some of your feelings, particularly the dummies that tweet me sometimes. <laughs> we're not that smart. And so I think that we're like, oh, well, this makes really good sense. So if we just talk about how good this is or how bad this is and explain all the details and give you the data, people will get it. Nah, man, we need a Dr. Seuss-type riddle situation. Like take <laughs> our country back. people aren't going to get it. Like, huh? ta- like take our country back. No, except for that's racist. But, yeah, something <laughs> as simple as that. You know, like, it's, and it's a lie. Like, it was never your country to begin with. But, yeah, like, if we if we said something like, you know, Tax co- tax reform, bad, not reform. It, you know, it's like a revision that hurts or something like that. <laughs> to be that damn basic. Maybe it should, maybe it should be GOP tax scams. Maybe that, maybe that, that actually worked. worked. That may, maybe I think that it worked. did work, but I hate it. Like, can we call it um, um, GOP tax shade? Or like no, we're um, not. We're not calling it tax shade, Angela. It is tax shade, though. If we think about what it, it is really tax shade. Oh, this it is. Really I is found what like, I was. I found what I was. What I was quoting. It's Wells Fargo. They they're going to increase their hourly. Wells Fargo today because they want their truck payment. Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, well, they did just call me. Stop calling me from that 800 <laughs> number too. I know it's you, Wells. They're, but they're people so nice, though. I can't. Y'all I better can't. get your money. Y'all better tell them to pay it. They're going to get their money, man. They're going to get their money. I tried to do automatic draft, but it didn't work out. My checking and saving. Don't worry about it. So, the, way your, the, way your, the way your bank account is set up. Yeah, Wells Fargo <laughs> hikes. It's, they hike their hourly pay rate to $15 and will aim for $400 million in philanthropic donations next year due to the newly passed GOP tax bill. Uh, and Mr. Applebaum's response, Goldman estimated that the tax cut would increase Wells Fargo's profits by $3.7 billion next year. So basically, they, they hike in your pay rate to $15 and will aim for $400 million in donations, but they're getting $3.7 billion. Now I see why you said it's a tie. That is basically a tie. Exactly. That's basically a tie. For, those, for, for the white people who are listening... Um, a tithe is ten percent of your earnings. White people tithe, Angela. They tithe. Well, okay, but you know, all right. Well, all you non-church scores, perhaps atheists, perhaps you don't they, give ten percent okay. to church. There you go. All right. Okay, how about yeah, that? But white I, people sometimes don't talk about tithes like how we talk about tithes, right. and then we say tithes different. They might be like, "Oh, you're saying tithes." You see what I'm saying? So that's no, what I'm I saying. Like we sound like we said tithe. <laughs> I hear. You. Anyway, it's a small, small portion of give back is what they're doing. That that is that is clearly what they're doing. Um, what was I about to ask you? Oh, so I had a new post, a new uh, article that I put out in the Guardian, um, today, and basically mm-hmm. I wanted I, I spoke about the fact that it's this new wave of black young um electeds and people running for office. The Stacey Abrams, the yeah. Andrew Gillums, the uh, uh, Mayor Lumumba's, the Mayor Woofins, etc. But we're also yes. demanding more from the Democratic Party. And you were somebody who worked on the Hill. Can oh, you, yes. Can you talk about, I mean, what we can talk about the tangible policy uh, changes that we want, because I'm tired of working class, meaning, you know, white people. I, I want working class to talk about the Hispanics that are suffering, uh, the, the African-Americans that are suffering. We could talk about that. But let's first delve into the fact that the lack of senior leadership, I don't care about the Republican Party but in the Democratic Party on Capitol Hill. You saw that when you were there. And why is that still the case today? So I have, this should be like a four hour special. 
because <laughs> I got books on this. Like, the thing that I would say is, one, I was mad reading the transcript from the press conference that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer had yesterday. Why? Because in an with an opportunity like the tax shade bill, that you don't like that I'm saying that, but that's what I'm going to call it. GOP no, we can, no, anytime you're on BT News, you can call it that. Good night. She <laughs> called it, she talked about Joe Sixpack. So first of all, we don't drink six packs over here. We drink 40s. Um, apparently, and so she could have been like Joe Forty. Like, no, no, I mean, my point is we like, would have run her clean up out of there if she would have said that. Okay, you do know that, but go ahead. I get your point. You we would have run her clean up out of there talking about some Joe yeah, Forty. We probably would have. But, <laughs> but my point, okay, what if she would have been like Joe Six Pack or you know um, Ice Cube Forty or like so I don't know. But I'm saying, like, regardless, there needs to be more inclusive messaging. Yes, you're right. If she would have been like, yeah, that's true. I probably would have been mad. The messaging is not inclusive. And we continue to show up. We continue to show out. We continue to be taken advantage of. And so there are black people who will tweet me or post in my comments like, well, why do we keep voting Democratic if, if we know they're going to take us for granted? And my thing is, like, the Republicans, like, if we're honest, and I think that this is what uh, white Democratic leadership knows, is not a real option for us. Those aren't policies that represent our best interests. So I think that it's better for us to continue to vote in a progressive manner and then push progressives to do what we want them to do. What does that look like? To me, it's running candidates of color. We know that candidates of color can win statewide elections, not just local elections, but we do that as well based on the folks you just named, all of whom are in office. And then, of course, Stacey and Andrew, who are running for higher office, governor of Georgia and governor of Florida, respectively. In addition to that, Bakari, I don't know how many conversations we've had with the party, not just the DNC, but the DGA, the DSCC, which is the Senatorial Campaign Committee, the DCCC, which is the Congressional Campaign Committee, right? Telling them, don't just hire black people in your offices or on your teams to do black outreach. We do more than reach out to black people. We can poll. We can write communicate. I mean, we can develop communication strategies and plans. Shout out to Cornell Belcher and, and Pine Street Strategies. Cornell's a be- one of the best posters in the game. And Pine Street's Absolutely. doing great work. You know, this crazy Absolutely. part, of, I, I, I want Chris Murphy. I wasn't even done. I was still getting started. I was going to talk about the vendors. You just named two vendors. There are others. But, like, you want, we have to beg for a small piece of Y'all see how she just cut me off? Go ahead. Yeah, because I was in the middle of a rant. You asked me about this. I told you I had books that need to be a four-hour podcast. Just let me get my last two minutes. Go ahead. And then I definitely want to hear, because you've had experiences running as a candidate, so Mm -hmm. I definitely think that's important. But you just think about all of the many stories. I talk about Stephen Horsford's story all the time because it's the most maddening. Steven probably could have just used a million dollars from the D trip from the D triple C. They wouldn't give it to him, so he, they lost that seat, that seat in Las Vegas, where Steven is a former Senate Majority Leader to the damn Republican in Las Vegas. Come on, y'all! And it's all because you wouldn't listen to us. We told you we were in trouble. We told you we needed the support, and you didn't listen to us. And they stay going out like right now. Even this thing with Doug Jones, and Doug Jones, I hope you really do black people right. Like, your office needs to be 30% black, be very clear, and more than half of those. Shout out to black men who did it, but black women really did the thing. (laughs) You need to hire black women, Doug Jones. And I don't need to hear you hedging about you only sure what you would vote, how you would vote, or how you would have voted on the tax plan. But, yeah, I digress. The point is... (laughs) 
there needs to be a lot more done. It can't just be CBC members who are hiring black staffers. It can't just be CHC members who are hiring brown staffers. Like, white people in Democratic leadership need to get your stuff together. Like, I'm tired of having this conversation. We literally have been having the same conversation since I was, and before I was even on the Hill. But since I was on the Hill, it's maddening, Bakari. It's no, maddening. I, mean, I, I just want everybody. racist. I want the I want my good friend Eric Garcetti in L.A. who I love, who's running for president. I want Chris Murphy, even Kamala Harris. Uh, shout out to Tyrone Gale, who is an amazing staffer in our office. But you know, even Kamala Harris like and Cory Book and Cory Booker. I mean, all of these people who are considering running for president of the United States. I want your before you come to South Carolina, which is the South Carolina primary, which is going to be won and decided by African-American voters, particularly African-American women who I affectionately call my mama and her friends who are going to choose the nominee. Y'all got to have staff that looks like us. Y'all got to have, and not just, you know, as, as you just said, not just the black outreach guy or the person who's over coordinating the black churches. You need to have, you know, your LD or your legislative director, your chief of staff, your director of communications, all of these people. I don't understand why, you know, we we can't be in the room when these decisions are made. I don't understand why we can't lead because what's even more maddening. And yes, we can talk about the fact that he had a cast a horrible vote on the tax bill and his policies do not, in my opinion, uplift people of color, especially poor people of color. But the most diverse staff in the United States Senate belongs to Tim Scott. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And they, they, they're two chiefs of staff and both of them are Republican chiefs. But shout out to Jennifer. Yeah. She she is a black female and chief of staff. Many people don't know. And if you're on that side of the aisle and trying to find somebody to look up to, Jennifer DeCasper is not a bad person at all. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Third Love. You always want to look your best around the holidays. And with so many parties and reunions, who has time to go to the department store? This holiday season, give yourself the gift of Third Love. Third Love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that are super comfortable and make you look and feel great. With over 15 styles, including strapless and plunge, there's a bra for every holiday party look. And if you're not sure about your size, you can chat with a fit specialist or take their fit finder quiz as you shop for the best from the comfort of your own home and for the best fit. Because Third Love knows it's the season to spread cheer, they're offering you 15% off your first purchase so you can feel and look your best this holiday season. Go to thirdlove.com forward slash on one now to upgrade your holiday style with a perfect fitting Third Love bra and get 15% off your purchase. That's thirdlove.com forward slash on one. Another word from today's sponsor, Tamara Mellon. Tamara's story is one that resonates with me. In 1996, at age 27, Tamara co-founded Jimmy Choo, and over the next 16 years, it became a household luxury name. Tamara left Jimmy Choo in 2007 for a fresh start and to focus on her passions, designing shoes and breaking rules. To her, this meant creating a new namesake label to reinvent luxury for the modern woman. Tamara often says her job is to design beautiful shoes, but she cares more about the women who wear them. She believes in walking the walk, which is why in her first year in business, She's made a stand about the pay wage gap, equality and empowerment and action initiatives around women's health. I know for me, that's one of the reasons why I follow her on Instagram. She is all about women's empowerment and she carries all of that into the design of her shoes. By starting her own label, Tamara Mellon is rewriting the rules of luxury while creating a revolution for women. Visit TamaraMellon.com forward slash on one to join the revolution. That's T-A-M-A. R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N dot com 
forward slash on one for a special offer. What questions did we get, Angela? You've been on this. Uh, you, oh, yes. I'm sorry. I got distracted. You had me on this rant. I had. Uh, I don't know. Focus. Let me see. Focus. Oh, okay. So I asked people, what do they want to know? Somebody asked for an overview of the tax message, which we kind of already done. Um, here's a good one. Um, well, actually, we answered this, too. Tell us about yourselves and how you achieved the success. We did that. Um, oh, this is a good one, too. Which Republicans in Congress and which Republican governors have the best chance of getting replaced? And I think that rather than talking about their replacement, like, again, kind of the forward-looking, who are our up-and-comers? We talked about Stacey Abrams, and we talked about Andrew Gillum. Who are some other folks that people should be looking out for that they could support with writing a campaign check or volunteering? Who you got? I got Mandela Barnes um, out there in Wisconsin. Um, I think that there are races that we came close in last time. Um, we talking about young African-Americans that wave, or are we just talking yeah, about I, Democrats I, in I general? No, I, I would like to keep it black, all black everything today. <laughs> With Jeezy, we're going to play some Jeezy in the background of this. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah. We meant, we ran through, uh, we ran through, uh, Stacy and, um, Andrew, uh, well, oh, we have our friend in, in Wisconsin who should be up on the ballot in 2018. And that's going to help change Michigan back to being blue. Uh, Ian Conyers, State Senator Ian Conyers running for office up there. He was on the podcast last week. Uh, Mandela's running. Bashir Jones just won in city council in Ohio. Um, let's think. What, uh, who else we got out there, Angela? One thing that, um, that I think is good for folks to follow is um, Collective Pack. Um, that's run by Stephanie Brown James. Who's and- a badass. Shout out, Stephanie. Stephanie, that's a talented and, um, couple, but Stephanie's the most yeah, talented. <laughs> absolutely. Super talented and doing some great work in discovering who up-and-coming talent um, um, is and, and where they are. And I think that that's a great place for people to start. So follow Collective Pack and the work they're doing. It's a great entity to show show you who's running, who ran and won. Um, Atlanta got a mayor named Keisha, you know, all of that. Um, so I think that that's important. Shout out it's to Vi Lyles, who's the mayor of Charlotte. We got a well, new yes. fe- black female mayor in New Orleans. I mean, look, mm-hmm. we, we are, I mean, we're, we're doing the damn thing and we are also demanding some accountability, but no, I think that there are a lot of people who are running. I think that you have to pay attention to Kamala and, and, and Corey and, and whatever they decide to do in their future endeavors. I'm a, um, Here's what good one. I like this one. How Jermaine do Democrats? Reed. What happened? I was just saying Jermaine Reed. I was just giving shout outs to black people running for office. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, somebody asked, how do Democrats get people to be excited about things Dems are for versus being against Donald Trump? And I like this question because I can tell you personally it's hard for me to talk about being for something when I am so damned against this man and everything he represents. So, like, what are some of the things that we can say, you know, progressives are for blank. No, what are I, we for? Oh, I, I think that's, I mean, I think we can summarize that pretty easily. I mean, we're, we're for making mm-hmm. sure that everybody has access to a quality education, regardless of their zip code. What we see in this country is that people are punished because of the zip code they're born into. If you're a poor black child and you live in a 29042 zip code, which is here in South Carolina, which is why I'm calling it off the back of my hand, you know, you're going to have to go to schools, which because of the property tax value, because there's not a lot of industry there, you're going to have to go to schools that are poor, um, where teachers are 
are underpaid, where, you know, the infrastructure is not working. I mean, so Democrats are for making sure that we can lift those individuals up and give them all the opportunities necessary because you have to compete worldwide. You're no longer just competing with someone who is, you know, born in Seattle. You're now competing with people who go to school around the world. So that's one. Two, you know, Democrats are the people out here fighting to make sure that you have access to quality health care. Not just that you have insurance, because that's important, but also access. You know, it's it's okay to have insurance, but if you can't get there or there is not a place nearby, I mean, we're talking about, I know kids right now who haven't been to the dentist and they are 13 years old. They simply don't have the access to go. And so while you have a party out there who's let the CHIPS program expire, shout out to Hillary Clinton for the CHIPS program back in the day, but let the CHIPS program expire. I mean, we're talking about children and in Connecticut, they're already phasing out the program so that children would have access to quality health care. So, I mean, we're talking about two basic fundamental tenets. And Jesse Jackson used to talk about this all the time, not Junior, but uh, Congressman Jackson used to talk about this all the time. Well, that the, is Junior then. Oh, yeah, that is Junior. My bad. Con- yeah, Congressman Jackson. He used to talk about this all the time that we really needed two new am- amendments. His book was about this. One yes. that guaranteed people an access to quality health care and the other that guaranteed people access to a first class education. But Democrats stand a more perfect union. Y'all need to cop that book that is woke before there was a woke before there was okay. a woke. Yeah. So, I mean, Democrats are, are focusing on that. And if we really wanted to drill down on it and, and just have something, I mean, Democrats are the party of what Dr. King said of the three axes of evil. I mean, we're, we're out here. We're, we are we are fighting poverty. We're fighting racism and we're fighting militarism. I mean, we want peace. We want people to have access to uh, and be not be discriminated against because of how they look. And we want people to be able to have their ends meet. So, I mean, that, that's what I'm about. I think that's what we're for. And we can also just make sure people understand that um, we ain't rocking with your your favorite president, Angela. We not, not my president. So it's just so interesting, Bakari, because here we were talking about young people that folks need to be looking out for, black folks folks need to be looking out for, who ran and won or who are running. And I just have to just say that that sounded like a hell of a stump speech. Oh, I got that now. It just, I could hear a pin drop in that one little (laughs) second. I'm just wondering if you have any um, aspirations to run um, anytime soon. Well, I, I will tell you that I do have aspirations to run. I do have aspirations. You asking me, am I running against Jim Clyburn? No, I'm not running against Jim Clyburn. You better not run against Mr. Clyburn. <laughs> I'll come for you and send for you at the same damn time. There you go. Okay? No, I'm not running against Jim Clyburn. I don't plan. I, I have told everyone, including Mr. Clyburn, that my goal is to be on the ballot in 2020. So take that for what it's worth. I, I, I do think, though, that we have, and this goes back to your members, Angela, we have a, we have a we have a we have a lot of talent um, in places like yeah. Atlanta, in places like Detroit, in places like yeah. South Carolina that have not been able to progress and have not been able to grow because a lot of our membership in the CBC who have done and who are doing great work are older and are not looking to pass that baton on. And I don't think you well, can say me, anything wrong about, about that. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. We never ask old white members to pass the baton. We never ask for that. And I just think it's a it's a shame in our community that it's like, oh, here's an elder. Let's take the elder out. <laughs> and I think that we, we what we should be doing is saying, 
okay, we know that black and brown and Asian folks can can run and win statewide. If that's the case, you certainly can run and win in a congressional district that is not a majority-minority district. And so my pushback would be, instead of looking at which member you can take out, just look at how you're going to add to it. Right now, there are 49 members of the Congressional Black Caucus because they wouldn't let in Adriano Espiat, which I think is a shame because he's a black Dominican. Um, they wouldn't I let him in because he beat that, because he kind of not beat, but kind of pushed out Charlie. But Mr. Rangel ran against Adam Clayton Powell. Like, what does that got to do with the parts of Tia China? I know that's what I'm no saying. Is that why they didn't let him in? Oh, I'm asking the question. Is that why they didn't no, let yeah. him in? Well, no, no, no. That's not my understanding. My understanding is they said that you have to pick one, either the CHC or the Oh, CHC that's, that's, that's BS. Ridiculous. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, we. I mean, we're maybe it's because I have a millennial leaning lens, um, but <laughs> you know, I I just think that we have to embrace the fact that people are multiracial nowadays, and so it is what it is. He shouldn't have to choose which culture he identifies with. He identifies with both. Nevertheless, my point is, if we can run and win in majority uh, white areas, then we should still do that. And we should be trying to figure out ways to add to the CBC. We well, only have 49 I, members. We should have, we should have a hundred, you know, we should have a hundred CHC members. We need that political power. So instead of looking at who we're going to replace, let's talk about who, how we're going to well, grow it. Because the other piece is as long as the system of leadership is built upon seniority, we can't afford to lose another CBC member who is ranking, who would be chair once the Democrats took over the House. Well, I, I agree with that. But let me That's give you let me heart. give you some pushback because I mean this. Okay. I ain't out here trying to take out Jim Clyburn. You can forget that. I know. You sound like you're trying to take out all my damn members. I'm gonna have to fight you. No, I'm not trying to take them out. I'm just trying to usher in a new generation of leadership. But one of the ways you that can we can usher do usher in without pushing out. That's fine. It don't have to be either how or. Do, how about we do this then? How about? The Congressional Black Caucus and many of its members, you, you know this statement to be true, although you may not admit it, have to sure. begin to shed so we can win in some of these other districts instead of packing black people into their districts. Absolutely. We're, we're talking gerrymandering. And, and, and let me, let me, let me finish. Out, let me let finish. Let me finish my thought. Let me thought. shout out Bobby Scott. <laughs> let me finish my who, thought. Who, makes, who talks about they didn't need their districts so compact. Exactly. And there's no majority. reason. There's no reason. That, did you know that we won that Senate race in um, we won the Senate race in Alabama, but would have still statewide, but would have still only picked up one congressional seat because of how that state is gerrymandered. You see that throughout the South. And my only point is that C- CBC members don't need 52 percent black districts. In fact, if they were CBC to have members agree with you. OK, well, then. and I'm going to I can tell you that having sat in meetings with them where for one, again, another shout out Congressional Black Caucus Institute. Every time right. um, redistricting comes up, helps members to draw their districts and propose uh, plans for how their districts can be drawn. <clears throat> and they also talk to members about what can we do to create another minority based or another person of color seat in the in the House. They do that every single time. And so that work doesn't, you don't hear about it. So you think that they're not working on it, but they just just, don't advertise it. No, I'm saying that that needs to be a robust effort made. And I think we could get people to buy in. And you know, one of the other things is along. Donate to the CBC Institute. Oh, for sure. The CBC Institute. And make sure people are donating to uh, the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, because I know a lot of young people who got their start Mm -hmm. in politics by being interns through that program. So young people, if you're listening, you're on a college campus, shout out Alabama State. Alabama A&M Tuskegee, who showed out and showed up in the election a couple weeks ago, go to the CBCF and try to be an intern in the CBC. All I'm saying also, is that CBCI also has a boot camp to train 
elected officials or future elected officials, campaign managers, et cetera. There are a lot of people that got their start there, too. The only other thing is I think a lot of people will buy into that and people will also buy into the fact that we need independent commissions that draw these lines. Because I actually Absolutely. have been on the committee that drew the lines in South Carolina. And I can tell you that one thing that Democrats and Republicans get along on is called self-preservation. Anyway, I know you got to get out of here. We're, we're at 40 minutes. By the way, we need to do this more often. Um, honestly, yeah, we need to talk, talk about this. I got one question for you. You asked me a very tough question. Um, mm-hmm. uh, about me and me and Congressman Clyburn, who I love and adore, who I, whose office I, I worked into, and who I look forward to being next. But um, tell me this: so you have probably, I don't know, probably the prettiest couple at CNN, if not the second behind Don and his boo. Are you, you getting married anytime soon? What's what's next? I do, I'm not wearing a ring. <laughs> we are enjoy we are enjoying dating. <laughs> The great guy, and he doesn't work at CNN, so I don't think I could get the prettiest couple at CNN. Well, you know what I mean. But, but, but he's fine, though. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my sister who said Angela got her old fine one. So, they- <laughs> <laughs> sure, I said, Amen, church. He is fine, though. You know, well, that, that takes a lot. That takes a lot off my back because they're every everywhere I go, all my friends are like, Can you hook me up with Angela? No, she got a man. <laughs> He was like, not especially, no, no. Nah, shout out to Common. Hey, anything else you want the people to know? Thank you for this cross-platforming opportunity and promoting opportunity. I want y'all to tune in. It was fun. We definitely need to do this more, especially if we're not going to have no um, show together. Maybe they'll let us have a... Maybe they'll give us a little something. digital presence. (laughs) Y'all download my homegirls. Subscribe to my homegirls podcast, On One with Angela Rye. It's amazing. Please do. Viewpoint with Bakari Sellers over there representing the Dems real hard. I'm just representing the people. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And we out. Today's episode is also brought to you by Heifer International. Looking for the perfect holiday gifts for everyone on your list? Just one goat from Heifer International can provide a family with nutritious milk. Heifer International's mission is to work with communities to end world hunger and poverty and to care for the earth. For nearly 70 years, Heifer's cornerstones have empowered people to change their lives. And when you gift a gift, when you gift a goat from Heifer, you are increasing access to education, to empowerment, and to dignity for a family in need. The gift of animals from Heifer can even help families start a small business. And the more gifts you buy, the more families that you can help. It's an easy way to give a gift that really matters to all of your family and friends. This is not an ordinary gift. It's a call to action. You have the power to change everything. Learn how at heifer.org forward slash on one. That's H-E-I-F-E-R dot org forward slash on one. Thanks again to Closer Than They Appear for supporting today's podcast. In the Closer Than They Appear podcast, writer Carvel Wallace talks to a lot of people grappling with the State of the Union while also looking for a way to reconcile with his own family. In conversations with guests ranging from actor Mahershala Ali to the aunt he hasn't seen in nearly 20 years, he'll turn and face America's past and his own and try to help us all find a way forward. Subscribe to Closer Than They Appear on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and even find them on Facebook. For more info, go to closer than they appear. Who are my children of the light?
Excuse me as I scrutinize Added the mouth of this babe Comes perfected praise As if you needed a sound 